0: One great question to ask yourself is, what problem do you solve better than anyone else? And then you ask, who do you solve it for? So a lot of times people go through life selling products and services. I sell coaching, I sell um, ice machines, like whatever you sell, but people don't buy products and services. People buy solutions to their problems.
1: Hey, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Find the Others podcast. I am your host, Joshua Church. Grateful to have you with us. New episodes are dropping every Wednesday and Sunday, so be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you can get the notification when a new episode comes out. And give me a follow on Instagram at Joshua Dean Church to catch different clips and highlights that I post. Also, if you're enjoying the podcast, you find something that might be valuable, please be sure to share it with a friend who also might be into it so that together we can continue to grow our tribe of others. Today, I'm excited to bring you a conversation I had with Johanna White. Johanna is an award-winning graphic designer and visual branding strategist who designs premium brand identities that create impactful first impressions. As the founder of Design by Joe Studio, she believes that if someone is the best at what they do, they deserve to look like it. For the past decade, she's worked with individual startups and Fortune 200 brands worldwide to help them brand like the best so they can attract more of their ideal clients and be as delightfully expensive as they deserve to be. Johanna knows there's no limit on success, and she proved it several years ago when she took life by the horns and started three companies within a year while battling a brain tumor. At a time when everyone else in her life was suggesting that she quit working and go on Social Security to cover medical bills, she chose to do the opposite and defy the odds. As a result, Johanna is now a dreamer extraordinaire for top performers, goal-oriented individuals, and brands. We talked all about branding, the power of defining yourself, and dug into her absolutely incredible story of battling a brain tumor. Give Johanna a follow on IG at Design by Joe Studio and check out her website, designbyjoe.com. If you liked this podcast, go check out episode number sixty-seven with Marta Spurk or episode number thirty-three with Aisha Sarah. All right, hope you enjoy. Well, hello there. Hello. Welcome on to the show. I'm so happy to have you on.
0: Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this for weeks now.
1: Yeah, a couple months. <laughs> yeah, since we last met and I and I knew instantly that I needed to get you on the podcast and I'm I'm happy selfishly to get you on so we can finish the conversation. You left me with one of the biggest <laughs> Cliff hangers that I've ever been left on. Like talk about an open loop. We were having a great conversation about all the things. And then you dropped the word brain tumor in there and you, you were about to start talking about overcoming that. And then something happened where we got sidetracked and we were never able to finish the conversation. So yeah, talk about a cliffhanger
0: it was so unintentional. I, I did not mean to leave you with a cliffhanger uh, and uh, definitely not for months. It's like I was just, you know, figuring out a way to make you desperately want to get me on your podcast. And hey, I didn't mean to do it, but it worked. So, it works.
1: It's like, you know, <laughs> no, marketing, right? The open loops. You want to have open loops to keep people engaged and interested. So it was a great like, you know, end of season one Netflix to uh, <laughs> to keep me coming back for season two. <laughs> yes amazing yes. so uh so happy to have you here and excited to, to to finish that story and to talk into all the things so um i'd love to just kind of start a little bit about like your you run an amazing design firm right and it seems like I, you do you do a lot more than design also can you tell me a little <laughs> bit about your approach to design and what you're actually doing from uh from a work standpoint
0: yeah that's a really uh fun way to phrase that um So I own a company called Design by Joe Mm -hmm. and I do brand design services, uh, kind of big picture holistically from clarifying the brand message to creating visual branding that aligns perfectly with that message so that um, my customers discover their value and then figure out how to show their value to the world. Mm. And, um, we go much beyond just strategy into implementation. So my background is in and degree is in graphic design. And so I help them with implementation. Then we take that brand into their personal branding, uh, personal branding photo shoots, and then even into custom websites that, convert visitors into customers while they sleep very cool. um <laughs> but you are right when you say i go way beyond uh, just the design aspect both in strategy but in the i think that the part that i really love about the process is the transformation mm-hmm. and maybe it's because i have one too many coaches in my life if there is such a thing i don't think there's <laughs> such a thing i think i have just the right amount of coaches i'm it, surrounded by them
1: i love it I, I, love I was going to say if if like if <laughs> oprah has 12 coaches i want 13 <laughs>
0: Well, I love it. I have a business coach. My husband is a coach for engineers. My dad is a life coach, and then I'm um, have clients that are business coaches, and then I'm surrounded by other awesome coaches like yourself and Xander. And so, because that's so deeply ingrained, um, part of what makes my process unique is that I am not just um, creating vague strategies or canned roadmaps. I literally start the process by helping my clients discover why they're even in business in the first place. Because mm-hmm. when they know why, they're super excited to then level up and to get into becoming all they can be. If they don't know why, they're like, oh, you know, I don't really care if I grow, or they forget along the way, or maybe it's just about the money. But when we get back and we dig into that why, then they're really excited to see transformation. Um, And when I get to work with clients and do personal branding, the best part about that is that we create this aspirational brand based on where they want to go. Mm -hmm. And based on their authentic self, I like to say that their personal brand should live at the intersection of who they are um, in front of their clients and who they are when the cameras stop rolling. Mm. It needs to be like that perception that they want to be, but also who they genuinely are. Otherwise, it'll fall flat. And when I help them create this personal brand and then style them and stage and do these photo shoots for their website, it's like holding up a mirror, but maybe a magic one. Maybe it's like the beauty and the beast mirror. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you tell it what to see. And when you show them like, here's the, the you that you're about to step into, they go, oh, that is me. I could be that. I I am that right now. I'm totally, yes, that's me. And they go from maybe coasting in their business to leveling up Mm. in leaps and bounds They take the branding that we've created and they run with it. They apply it everywhere. They tell everyone about it. They get massive return on their investment because they're so excited. Now they can see this mirror for their aspirational self. And they're determined to close the gap between where they are and where they can be just as quick as possible. And it is not uncommon. And by not uncommon, four out of five of my clients cry. Mm. in our first uh visual review session like they see their visual brand for the first time since we've done the analysis and the discussions and the deep dives and we've done all the research they see it for the first time four out of five of them start crying because wow. it's like they've been trying to tell people this is me this is who I am this is what I'm capable of this is how I can help you this is how I can change your life but words can only go so far words are super important But we take those words and we add the visuals that help people understand and perceive that. And now it's like the world can finally see what I've been trying to tell them all along. And now more than just my mom, no, I'm awesome. And (laughs) I'm ready to take this business from six figures to seven or from seven to eight. Like I can do this now because the world can perceive it, not just me.
1: That's amazing. I, and I totally see the value in that. And, and I think it starts with like me perceiving it first. And when I can get the clarity on that, then I'm able to translate that elsewhere. And I think that's something that do you find that a lot of people are struggling with that like clarity or vision for who they want to be aspirationally or what that looks like?
0: Yes. Yes. they That is very common. And the thing, though, that I can say that's very reassuring is that's a lot of people. And that's exactly when it's right to get help. Like Mm -hmm. some people say, well, I can't start my branding because I don't know who I should be yet. That's okay. It's inside of you. And Mm -hmm. the first step in our process, I like to call it content mining instead of content creation, because the answers to who you are and what makes you special and unique, your X factors and the value you add are inside of you. And we're going to ask the right questions to draw it out. And that helps like, that just lifts the weight because you don't have to have the right words to formulate it. Uh, it's in there and we're going to, we're going to pull it out. You know, more than you think you do about who you are are and where you want to end up.
1: (laughs) Yeah. The answers are there. I always say to any people that I work with, like you're, you're your best coach. You're your best mentor. The answers are there. Like all I'm going to do is see if I can help you kind of pull away some of those weeds so you can see the picture clearly. Uh, Question for you. Do you think that everybody should have an idea of their brand or their personal image in, in today's world, even if, it's, even if they're not a business?
0: I think that um, everyone would get great value from, at the very least, knowing their X factor, knowing mm-hmm. what in them fascinates people, and being able to highlight that. It builds better relationships. (laughs) It will help them get where they want to go in life. It will help them get more clear on where they want to go in life. Um, Now, do I think that everyone should uh, spend a lot of money on getting help developing a brand if they have no intention of monetizing it? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I routinely have, have people come do a brand analysis with me and we will go through all this deep dive. And at, at the end, I'll say, this isn't, isn't something that's going to get you return on your investment right now. Um, but here are the questions you can continue to ask yourself on your own time. And along the way, where if in the future you do want to monetize your personal brand, you've taken the right steps between now and then, Um, or at the very least, now you know so much more about what you don't want to do.
1: (laughs) Totally. So tell me a little bit more about that X factor. I think that's a really interesting concept. How can someone start to learn or understand what their X factor is? Or how have you found your X factor?
0: Well, it's been a it's been a process for me. And so I've tried to shorten that for my clients. Um, I walk them through a series of questions, but it's come through many different things. Um, I'm trying to answer this concisely. I'm usually not a rabbit trailer, but I feel like I'm going to rabbit the, trail hey, a little bit. This, here. Is,
1: this is the purpose of this <laughs> podcast is to just go down the rabbit hole and okay. jump off the deep diving board into the deep end. So let's hear it.
0: Okay. Um, Well, give me one second, because that is something I want to answer Sure. um, consistently. Cool. I want to answer this consistently. And I have just the documentation here. It's a little bit of what I walk my clients through. Awesome. Um, Getting a real look, a
1: sneak peek here.
0: (laughs) I hope you don't mind. I love it. That's great.
1: (laughs) Pull it up. I'm not
0: going to share the screen or anything. I just want to make sure that the way that I'm responding this to you is.
1: 100%. I love that. That's
0: how I would tell everybody. Okay. Thank you for your patience. Feel free to cut that out.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we can do that.
0: Branding expert Johanna White doesn't know (laughs) I kind of leave it in there
1: now, but okay. (laughs) (laughs)
0: you know what? It's okay to get help. I'm going to bunny trail again and say uh, that the reason I wrote this down is because um, I don't always remember what I say in one situation to another. So I tell my clients, like we start to develop scripts them to use over and over again so that they can show up consistently in the world. So if someone hears a snippet of this podcast and me answering how to find their X factor, I want it to be the same way that I say it every time. Beautiful. Um, so that, so that I'm showing up the world to like there, that was my branding cool. soapbox. I like it. So before I say how I help find the X factor, I'm going to tell you why it matters if you don't mind one step backwards
1: let's 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 set the stage
0: (laughs) so in my perspective the reason to find your x factor is because it helps you know your value it helps you know what um your perceived value in the eyes of your clients but it also helps you know what you're delivering that really is unique and special and and distinctly you that people are happy to pay more for. And those Mm -hmm. are not always directly related. A lot of times what you think your value is, um, is the same as everybody else in your industry. And therefore you look the same and you Mm -hmm. show up the same and you charge the same. And um, so when I say, know your value it's so that as we create a brand, um, we're building images around that that value. Um, so, ways to find your X factor. There's a couple of clients that are. <laughs> once, sorry, I'm gonna giggle off another rabbit trail here. I, I love it. I once once got complimented on a podcast for being so articulate, and I think it went to my head, Joshua. <laughs>
1: I took all the pressure off by saying this is not an interview this is a conversation. So <laughs> okay. this is this is the real human element. This is this is perfect.
0: The only mandatory thing about this is that we do not leave your listeners with the same cliffhanger that I left you
1: yes, with. Yes, that oh, don't you we worry. Will I will back. make sure that we are coming back to that. I cuz I need to get that resolved.
0: <laughs> so, X factor. we were talking about that like Yep. How do you find it? One great question to ask yourself is what problem do you solve better than anyone else? Mm. And then you ask, who do you solve it for? So a lot of times people go through life selling products and services. I sell coaching. I sell um, ice machines, like whatever you sell. But people don't buy products and services. People buy solutions to their problems.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That is a quote from one of my favorite branding heroes, Donald Miller of StoryBrand, and probably someone else said it before him, and probably Tony Robbins said it before them.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) But I love that because it's so true. Um, People, our brains are designed for survival, and so they sort through information very quickly. They have to, because there's so much of it coming at you all day long. And as you're looking through messages that are just flooding at you through the digital world, um, the only way that your brain can keep from going on a total fritz is to sort that information quickly into what helps me survive and what has nothing to do with it. So when you can identify what problem you solve, you are tapping into that that um way to tie yourself Mm -hmm. to their survival Uh, and that's
1: that's that's um, what moves people into action right that's what helps people move forward
0: exactly getting a problem solved closing Mm -hmm. a story loop closing that gap so um what problem do you solve better than anyone else and who do you solve it for what what solution are you providing that people might pay a premium to receive For example, uh, kind of a hidden solution that I just provided to a client was they wanted me to do branding. They loved my process. They loved me, but they needed it in half the time and to skip the wait list. So I decided in this instance, I really wanted to work with this client and I wanted to accommodate. So I shortened my process. I figured out how to pare some things down and I provided a solution of getting them what they needed right now. And they were happy to pay double the price mm-hmm. for that. Um, what is something that you do naturally that friends or clients comment on? Mm. Um, I get comments all the time about how my laugh draws people in. Yeah, I used to be, <laughs> I used to be super self-conscious about it. But now I've realized that joy is one of my X factors. And I bring a level of energy and excitement to a project. I'm so passionate about your brand that by the end, the clients are totally sold out in love with the process and the product. They had a blast along the way. They expected to, you know, just be like, a list of tasks that they had to get through to get their end goal, which is this brand that shows the world. And instead we laughed, we cried, we had a great time. They knew now know more about themselves. Heck, they've probably got a closet full of outfits that they're going to wear all the time. <laughs> um, they've got a new website. Like, uh, but that joy, that laugh is one of my X factors. Amazing. And um, you can ask, what is something that you do? That improves your clients' lives or their experience. Same kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Um, That improves their experience. I am also a very confident leader. I, I bring project management to the table as well. I don't ask my clients to tell me what they need. I just ask them to show up and I will help them discover what they need. To properly reach their ideal audience, i'll help them set up timelines I'll keep the project on track, like those types of things. All of those that I mentioned, most people would probably call soft skills or not even a skill at all. personality traits right. but but together, they are X factors that make it so that people will pay me hundred thousand dollars plus for a brand mm-hmm. where in the past before i knew those things and took the time (laughs) to find those things out about myself i was doing similar workload projects way less fun with way less ideal clients for five to ten thousand dollars right but because i figured out what they come to me for what they really Come to me for and how to add more of that value. Like, once you know your value, you can add more of it. But yeah. who doesn't want to do that?
1: Yeah. But that's the, that's where it has to start. It sounds like you have to understand it yourself.
0: Yeah. Yep. And that's where I'm going to say again, it's okay to get help. Like, I didn't wake up knowing that clients wanted those things. Um, I didn't wake up realizing that they added anything. It was a process and it was very intentional. And a coach is a really great place to start. Mm-hmm. Um, that, And I think I would love to know more about the types of coaching that you do. But um people like you and, and Xander and Zach are great examples of <clears throat> getting the help you need to identify that X factor. <laughs> right,
1: right. I mean, because that clarity makes such a big difference for your life. Because like you said, then you can start to add more of that and you start to... Like That's all we want to do is we just want to be valued and of value and of, of service to anything like that's when we can understand our value. We understand what role we play. We understand what purpose that we actually have. It can really be a deep sense of that, that like there's Mm -hmm. no price tag you can actually put on that stuff.
0: Yeah. And, and my, my journey started, and I'll just quickly again, reference that cliffhanger, like discovering that I had a brain tumor <clears throat> when that happened, I was working at a creative services agency, and I was doing design, but not in a way that felt like it was adding much overall intrinsic value mm. to the clients. It was like conveyor belt <clears throat> as fast as you can. <laughs> um, we didn't have any time to find out if this was really what served their needs best or if it attracted their audience. We just asked them to tell us what they wanted, and we did it. Right. And when I found out, like, I didn't know how much time I had left to live, I decided I didn't want to spend a single another day um, going through life, not living up to my potential and not adding value. So that became probably the catalyst that mm-hmm. got me here and why I'm so passionate about with my clients. The first thing we do is know your value. And it's, it's not just because it makes for good branding messages. It's because when you know your value and you know who you want to attract, um, you can communicate it quickly and clearly and clarity is kind. <laughs> you can set the prices that, uh, that you wanna set because once you know your value, you can show your value. And um, But most of all, it's in your head. And once you know that you are worth more and have more to give to the world, you can never unknow that. Right. And then it goes way beyond your business. It goes way beyond um, like even anything monetization wise. It just goes into like, how can I add this value to the people around me and that's when life gets really exciting.
1: <laughs> yeah, it sure does. So you were you said you, you majored in graphic design in college and you went to a creative service agency right out of college. Actually, what?
0: I um, <laughs> so I did college twice. Okay. First time, first Tell time I that. went for horse training. Interesting. Yes. I've been riding since I was about six years old. And when I was about to graduate high school. I had all this panic and decision paralysis, and like, what do I do with my life? Because I love to do so many things. I loved riding horses. I loved art. I loved dancing. I loved music. I loved, like, the list went on and on. And I was terrified that I was going to make the wrong choice for the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. And nobody told me that whatever you decide at the guidance counselor's office in high school doesn't have to equal the rest <laughs> yeah. of your life.
1: <laughs> or what major you choose the first day of college, right?
0: <laughs> yes. Yeah. So I was so scared. So I just kind of went like, pick something. And um we had seen some my mom and I had seen like some flyers come through town for this equestrian college out in Pennsylvania. And I said, Okay, I gotta make a choice. I'm apparently I must choose right now what to do with the rest of my life. I'm going. So I went out there and that lasted a year Mm -hmm. before I came home and said, no, this is not it. I love horses. I don't love doing horse work for my career. Turns out it completely sucked all the fun out of it for me. Mm, Yeah. And, uh, I, this thing that brought me such joy and fulfillment now, like I wanted nothing to do with it. So I kind of crawled under a rock, felt like I had totally failed at life because I had picked the wrong thing and went into this pretty deep depression. And I spent the next three years installing tile, (laughs) which is more, makes more sense than it sounds like. My dad was a floor covering installer. So as a a kid and like through high school, I helped him out on the side and part-time in the summers. Um, And so when I came back, I just said, just put me to work. I'm out of passion. I am out of joy. I don't, I don't know how to make choices and I, I can't mess it up again if Mm -hmm. I get it wrong again. So I went to work full-time installing tile um, until like three years into it. I was finally in enough pain and frustration to make another decision. Yeah. I've learned um, that people either make choices out of pleasure or pain, but it's far more likely that they'll make it out of pain. Um, Which is why now I help my clients identify the gaps between where they are and where they want to be. And then that cognitive dissonance creates enough pain to drive them into change. Right. Uh, Right. (laughs) But uh, yeah, there was major like, I hate waking up at 5 a.m. and going out in the snow and using a wet saw, and my hands are cracked and bleeding, and this <laughs> stinks. Um, so I finally said, It can't get worse than that. Going back to college for anything, I'll just pick another thing. And this time I picked design. As you can see, I have excellent decision making skills. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Why design? What made you pick design the second time around?
0: Well, I just tried to think of something that I liked but at that point it wasn't such a big part of my life so i thought Mm -hmm. if i like it's not gonna suck away the fun from one of my hobbies um as a kid i used to spend a ton of time on my computer down in my basement using this old program called microsoft picture publishing and i would like cut things out with the lasso tool which was the only kind of mm-hmm. cropping tool. Now everything's so easy and you could just do background delete.
1: <laughs> but yeah. I
0: would spend hours making these fake magazine ads just for fun. And so I thought, well, you know, I kind of enjoy that. It can't be all that bad and there was a college within driving distance that had a design program, so I decided to make that second shot and I got lucky, I guess. Uh Totally loved it. Had two very passionate about design professors Mm. that just kind of transferred. Yes. I had a couple of terrible ones that took me a while to get over certain elements of branding. (laughs) They ruined it for me, but I had one who would save fun packaging from from products or he got a mini Cooper and he brought in the the booklet that came with it and, or he'd have this whole series where we'd make, um, really unique business cards. And he taught us that print isn't dead, just stupid print is dead. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah, Makes sense.
0: And, um, those, that passion and that love stuck with me. Um, and then while I was in the program, I had to have an internship and I actually got lucky enough to get into the creative services agency as a paid intern and did three years there while I finished up college. Mm. So I got to like make my credits and um, earn some money to kind of pay off college as I went. But the, the downside of this agency was that morale was like in the toilet constantly. Mm. Uh, they focused heavily on print marketing and it was at the time where everything was shifting from print to digital um this is like 2012 2011 2012 and so the sky was always falling every single day you'd go in somebody else would be fired and their work would be on your desk and you would like not even think about leaving because everybody's mindset was the design market is flooded you're just lucky to have a job at all.
1: Right. <laughs> like, Not a very inspiring you, environment <laughs> or culture. No.
0: No, if I had a coach back then, they would have tell, told me to get out of there so fast.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: But um as I've seen many times in my life since then, all it takes is one person to tell you differently. One person in the right place at the right time and that voice can drown out thousands. And so now I I want to be that voice for my clients, telling them, you can charge what you're worth. You can be so much more. Your business can be amazing. You can make world impact, not just neighborhood impact. Like, And so for me, when I was at that agency, there was um, – Uh, one designer who swept through for about six months Well, she was on an internship like from Notre Dame or something Mm -hmm. and of course she didn't stick around long because she knew her value (laughs) and she she knew it well but while she was there we became fast friends and she started showing me like you have all of these things you just have to present them you have to show up as this you have to you know create your own brand and be that to the world. And she planted the seeds that later led to me where I am. But, um, if it hadn't been then for getting diagnosed with a brain tumor, I don't know what would have happened. I might've stayed for years and years longer, or I might have probably just gone from that agency to another one, like just hunting for a slightly worse environment, but not Brave enough to really go for my own thing, right. um, yeah. Okay, but so it <laughs> that
1: that that's wonderful, and that provides a perfect segue for us to end this cliffhanger. So you, <laughs> so you're at this creative service agency, and I and I love the I love the story that we're following here. And then you get a curveball; life throws you a curveball. Tell me more about that experience and what happened.
0: Yeah. So life is full of curve balls. Um, but this was a zinger for sure. I had just graduated from college for the second time, um, about two weeks prior to when this part of the story begins. And I had still been living with my parents at the time. So I was 24 years old, still living in my parents' basement because, um, I was, they couldn't afford to help with college. So that was like their offset was I could live there while I, while I went, um, so that I could put all my money for school. And, but I always felt behind, behind my peers, behind in life. I don't, I don't know exactly where it all came from, but I always felt Mm -hmm. like I had a lot of catching up to do. Um, so when I graduated, I said, this is it. I am onward upward. I still lived in the same town I had been born in. Like I had gotten felt what felt like nowhere in life. And I said, I'm, I'm finding a job at a big time, maybe New York agency, and I'm moving out of here and I'm going to start my life and I'm going to catch up to my peers, whatever that means. (laughs) And, uh, it's onward and upward from here. And then two weeks later, I was at work and I got a call. Um, well, sorry, rewind. Mm -hmm. Um, 2 weeks later before I got a call from a doctor because I didn't know go
1: <laughs> Yeah, you went to the doctor and did some testing.
0: <laughs> it's a smart thing to do yeah. in order to get a call from a doctor. Right. First go to the doctor, natural order. Um yeah. 2 2 weeks after I graduated, I woke up with a pounding migraine. Hmm. Um it felt like a pickaxe through my skull and I had never had a migraine in my life, but I thought eh, I've just been working at the computer too much. I'll just sleep it off. Um, I slept in a closet for days because the smallest little pinprick of light would just make me want to throw up. And when it finally went away, I was left with paralysis down my left side. Not complete, but I couldn't raise my left arm very high. Um, My vocal cords were partially paralyzed, so I could only whisper. Um, the sternocleidomastoid muscle here was completely atrophied. And behind my collarbone, it just looked like somebody scooped it out with an ice cream scoop. The muscles were just gone. Whoa. And just overnight. And then um the worst part that really like pushed me to the doctor was I couldn't properly swallow food. Uh, I'd try to swallow food or water and it would come out my nose instead. Oh no. So In the matter of a couple of weeks, I dropped like 15 pounds, which I don't have a whole lot to lose. Um, I could barely breathe. I felt like I was choking constantly. I went to the ER. They told me I I was imagining it because (laughs) because there was nothing visible in my throat, and I described it as choking. Um, Thankfully, I, not being able to breathe very well or move very well, decided not to take that opinion and (laughs) went to ear, nose and throat who then sent me to a neuro um, neurosurgeon who then did like MRIs, x-rays, all these things. And the whole time I'm still thinking like, I've never had anything seriously wrong with me. I've been pretty healthy my whole life. And so I'm still just thinking they're going to find a pinched nerve or
1: something, something
0: like something or a virus or who knows. Right. Um, and so then I'm at work and it's like eight o'clock at night, and I get a call from the doctor, which is never good when they call you themselves after hours. You know, it's not a great sign. And he just told me, uh, I don't have a lot of information for you, but we found a mass. And of course I go all like, tell me more, what right. what kind, what does, it, what does this mean? Am I dying? And he just said. We don't know, so you need to come back. We're going to do a biopsy and and go from there. So, um, I went back, they did a brain biopsy, which you think that like a scary medical diagnosis is going to be similar to the show house where if they, if they say they don't know, they're like not going to sleep and they're going to call in a team of experts and (laughs) they're going to figure it out figure it out. Yes. It's not like that. Um, they did a brain biopsy and the results were also inconclusive. And so they tell me to come back in like three months for another exam. And that started a cycle of, um, every three to six months, I'd go back for another MRI where someone would tell me, uh, yes, we can help you. We can use a laser or we can use, chemo or we can use this. And I'd get my hopes up and I'd go. And then they'd be like, actually, it's in a more risky spot than we thought. And we can't help you, but here's this other guy and you can get on his calendar in six months. Right, And, and and so, um, I am just like reeling and, um, but thankfully there's always a, in my life, there's always a, but God, uh
1: <laughs> that Love winds
0: that. itself in to this story. So while the physical road is up and down and all over the place, the same day that I got the diagnosis from the doctor, a friend of our families, um he's a chiropractor and he's just a very strong Christian and basically his philosophy is if the Bible says it he believes it end of story. Yeah. <laughs> can be difficult applications but in this case it was exactly the like brick wall that i needed he showed up on my porch he gave me an ipad mini um loaded with the olive tree bible app and he said this is tools for the battle grab your parents we're going for a walk and we went for a walk and he basically said you've said johanna your whole life that you believe in god and that you believe in healing This is your chance to talk like it. And this will make the difference. It doesn't matter what the doctor says. It doesn't matter what you feel. It doesn't matter what your body's doing. You're not allowed to speak those words. And if you have to tell someone about it, you say, this is what the doctor said, or these are the symptoms, but you don't Mm -hmm. own it. Right. (laughs) He wouldn't let me just say like, I'm sick and then go and take on
1: that identity. Yeah.
0: Yeah and he said here's i've marked every verse that i've ever found that relates to healing you said you believe them it's time to start speaking them out and standing on them and so i literally just did deep dive every time i'd be feeling all this intense pain at first just whispering these verses out um or i'd call my family or i'd call a friend and say i can't even talk right now i need you to talk for me Mm. And they'd read them out. And um I was still working at this time because I didn't have health insurance. I was like just below the number of hours where they give you benefits. And so I was freaking out, I had no idea how I was gonna pay for brain surgery and all of this stuff. And um <clears throat> people were telling me I should quit and go on Social Security and that way at least maybe I could get Medicaid but I could still more or less function physically. And I felt like if I did that mentally, I would never recover.
1: Yeah. I would always
0: be the sick person. Um, and I was like, no, as long as I am physically able to move, I'm grateful for that. I'm going to keep moving. Hmm. And <laughs> so I kept working. I took on a second job actually at that time. And it was, it was nuts, but What else was I going to do? Sit at home and worry while I waited for the next appointment in six months. Um, And so I put in headphones and I would just play verses about healing or sermons about healing. It didn't matter. I didn't really listen to them. I just let them play in my head Mm -hmm. while I worked because the fear was insane. And I started to realize in a moment of clarity that when I would start having symptoms and like start choking and be laying on the bathroom floor, can barely breathe, that anxiety would jump in quickly and double the symptoms. Mm. (laughs) Almost without fail. If I gave into fear, it was twice as bad. And so I decided I didn't know what I could do about the symptoms, but I could do something about the fear. So that's what I tackled first. And I just started um, standing and believing. And you can't, like, it comes at you. It's not something you do, but you can choose to drown it out. And that is what I did. <laughs> so my mind would start spinning on the hamster wheel of you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to die. And I just put in verses, put in stuff about healing and just like hmm. intentionally input. No, I am not. Um, My favorite verse at the time was, I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. And I would just say that over and over. Like loop, I get to. Yeah. I get to choose this. I am choosing. I am not going to. And I know that there's so many different stories out there and there's, um, so many great people that I don't understand why they weren't healed. But as my chiropractor friend liked to remind me, I don't ever know anyone else's story and I can't control anyone else's outcome. All I can control is what I'm saying. And he said, "Don't look at that; it doesn't help you. Like, you need to focus on what it says here, which is that he heals every time. That's the only narrative you need to focus on right now."
1: Yeah. Wow. So then, (laughs) what? How did it resolve? What what ended up happening?
0: Yeah. So I think this might be kind of the cliff I left you dangling on. This is the cliff of cliffs. Yes. So miracles began to happen within months of. Um, uh, me standing on those verses my symptoms started to go away um the muscles came back even though the neurosurgeon said that it was nerve damage and that would be permanent even if they wow. did surgery um i started getting stronger and i could talk again and breathe again and stuff started um re- like functions came back and so mm-hmm. when i went to my next um neurosurgeon appointment i'm expecting that they're going to do an mri And it's going to show the same thing. It's going to say uh, smaller or gone. Instead, they do this MRI and they look at it and they're like, well, can't really tell for sure, but I think it's either the same or maybe bigger. And so I went in with like faith up to here and left with totally crushed. And then the amazing thing was this very helpful doctor proceeded to then list all of these symptoms I could expect to feel next. Based on growth, like your face is going to start pushing out the side and going to go numb over here, probably lose vision in the one eye, all this stuff. So I went into the appointment feeling like I'm being healed. I can tell my body's starting to return. And then I left, um, totally crushed and woke up the next morning with all of the symptoms and then some. Mm. So everything back plus some of the like, oh, I think my face is numb. Oh, my eye's a little blurry. And I was like, wait a second, what just happened? And, and then this started to go on a cycle. So I'd stand and I'd fight and I'd be like, no, I am healed. I believe it. And then I'd get better and better and better and better. And And then I'd go to yet another MRI where they'd say, we still want you to come because we think we can do surgery. And then they'd do a scan, tell me they thought it was the same or bigger. They never were sure because they use different machines every time. And like from slightly different angles. So I hated the fact that I was taking their word and they weren't even sure. But it didn't matter. All it took was a doctor to suggest that this was about to happen. And I went home, like, okay, crash. And it would all come back. So it ended with me about probably a year and a half to two years after the initial diagnosis. I had a surgeon say, I can help you for sure. We can go in through your ear, um, come back in three months. We're going to do surgery. I came back in three months. It's like 5am. My whole family's traveled from across the country to be there. And I'm on the operating table. Anesthesiologist is right here. And the doctor walks in looking at the MRIs and he goes, you know, I took a closer look and I decided I'm not going to do this surgery. Uh, it's too risky.
1: Oh man.
0: So after lots of maybes, he was like so certain. And when he signed us up for the surgery, he said the risk was minimal hearing loss because they were going to go through the eardrum and um, maybe some like numbness, facial nerves. And I was like, I can live with that. I just want freaking certainty. I want to be done with this. I want to get on with my life. I want to know it's gone. And um, so then surgery day comes three months later, he looks at it and he says, I can't do this to you. Oh my. Uh, yeah, and he says by all like signs you're healthy. Your symptoms are gone and you're working fine and if I do this surgery it might put you in a wheelchair for life or on a feeding tube for life. And I refuse to do that to you. And he walked out. And I oh. sc- I screamed. I <laughs> threw things. I like I was 24 hours without sleep or food and This is not when you tell a woman that, no, you're actually not going to help her. But then like the nurses came in and they tried to tell me, well, we're going to do the watch and wait plan. So we want you to still come back in six months and do another MRI. And I said, no, no. What for? You've already told me you don't care what the MRI says. You're looking at my symptoms too. And my symptoms say I'm healed. So if you don't care what that MRI says, I don't care what that MRI says. And I'm going to stop trusting it over what I know,
1: what I'm experiencing. Yeah.
0: Yes. And I so desperately wanted certainty. Mm. Uh, I wanted uh, a provable miracle. Like I've believed in, in healing and miracles in, in my life. And there's many people who say, you know, Oh, so and so made it up, or they're not actually better, they're just lying, whatever. Sure. I didn't want to be one of those perceived as one of those crazies who just says they're better and they're not for some reason. I don't know why. Uh, but I wanted to be able to show them like here's the MRI with the tumor, ta-da! Miracle. And I wanted, I guess, be able to prove that I was healed. Um so that they couldn't doubt my story. And I didn't get that, but I got healed. I just didn't get to prove it to anybody. Mm. (laughs) And I, I didn't get certainty, but you know what, in the year 2019, 2020, and 2021, a lot of people got a lot of practice at living with uncertainty. And I was already like miles ahead of that.
1: Yeah. (laughs) That's incredible.
0: So, um, like it really was, it's a looping story where You know, symptoms changed, but then I kept going back to my friend and his, like, you are going to stand and standing and it, it changed. It changed my body. My muscles Mm -hmm. came back full function. No more headaches, no more choking. And your symptoms, have they
1: stabilized? Have they been stable for some time now? They've
0: been gone for four or five years now.
1: Wow. Incredible. And no more MRIs in that past four or five years.
0: no, I refuse to give them a chance to tell me otherwise, quite honestly. And like one of the things that I learned during that, I guess two really big things that I learned, if if you don't mind, I'd love to hear. Yeah. Um, One was to not take the doctor's word as the last word. And I have friends who are doctors and in various stages um, and areas and I don't mean that as an insult to doctors in any way, but just that um, they will tell you what they need to tell you to, to prepare you. And they're trying to be kind and they're trying to not get your hope up. But I have found the power of getting your hopes up on purpose. Like Mm. don't take the doctor's word as the last word. If I did that, I would probably be dead. Instead, I said, no that's not it. I'm not quitting my job. I'm not going on Medicaid. I am not letting this uh, be the end. And then the other thing that I learned from this that I still apply today to my work and to life is um, that what you believe matters, but what you do about what you believe matters way more. So I've believed in the vague concept of healing my whole life, but when this happened, I had to do something about it, even if it was as simple as putting in headphones every day, yeah. refusing to give into fear, and saying these things over and over and over. And so, like you can believe a lot of different things, but if you don't do anything about it, it's not changing your life. And <laughs> gotta so-
1: take the action. Gotta take the action required.
0: You gotta you gotta do something about it. And that was, yeah, that changed my life. And it was probably only like six months after I got diagnosed when I said, this is ridiculous and I quit my job. Mm. Um, I was sitting in the office looking around as yet another person got fired and their work landed on my desk. And I was like, oh no, I'm not spending a single another second doing something that maybe doesn't matter and certainly not living up to my potential. Mm What do I have to lose? Nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Literally nothing. So I walked out of the office. I walked down the street and I started knocking on doors, like literally out the office down the street. Hi, I'm Johanna. I design stuff. And <laughs> that is how I started Design by Joe. Um, and I n- never looked back. It, you know, it's Incredible. been six or seven years now since I started it and in the first two years I was still dealing with the brain tumor and still dealing with and sometimes clients would ask me I think they were worried that they would pay me for a project and then I'd die on them or something (laughs) (laughs) I was afraid if someone didn't already hadn't read it in the newspaper or seen it on Facebook I like didn't bring it up
1: (laughs) that's crazy
0: but but now now I I just tell people because and I can't answer like how I started Design by Joe or why without that crazy story so without hopefully the backstory. I brought you back from the cliff.
1: You did. You brought me back. Pulled you in. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm blown away. That's that's a really really incredible story. What a unique experience you've had with it. And I'm just I'm I'm so grateful to have heard this story and to have you share it and to uh, and my my couple of my takeaways are are one like the, the power of your beliefs and, and what you're believing and what inputs you're putting in and how that affects your belief and how those beliefs have an effect on our physiological experiences is is, is incredible. And um, and then just that like empowering action that you took and not playing the victim or not rolling over, but actually embracing the situation and leaning into it and using it as an opportunity to redefine yourself is is honestly so inspiring. So thank you so much. And thanks for sharing the story with us.
0: Thanks for letting me share it. I felt like the first like, three like and a half years or four years after it happened, I got to live the first part of my favorite verse, I shall not die, but live. Um, but it's only been in the last you know, couple of years, I've finally gotten to walk into the second part. And thank you for, for letting me do that, um, because I don't want to just live, I want to also... Declare the works of the Lord. And um yeah, so that's my Beautiful. story. And Amazing. that's how I got here.
1: <laughs> I, I love it. Well, thank you so much for, for coming on and sharing this. Um I, I love the range of topics that we've covered here today, especially from from X Factor to uh, overcoming, uh, brain tumor and everything (laughs) in between. So really, really great. Um, Johanna, thank you so, so much. And, uh, yeah, looking forward to, uh, to catching up soon and continuing the conversation. So thank you.
0: Thank you for your time and for having me.
1: Absolutely. We'll take care. I'll see you soon. All right.
0: All right. Bye.
1: Bye.